2: Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyers Bay in Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora Hello, Sam.
1: How's it going?
2: It's going very well. How was your weekend?
1: Um, it was good, cold and busy. How was yours?
2: That sounds remarkably similar, except I wasn't very busy. <laughs> That's a good thing. And who are we talking with today?
1: Today we are very lucky, I think, to have Jeff Millam from the Department of Conservation in Tauranga. Um I've known Jeff for a number of years. When I sat on the conservation board, uh, he was working, um, I, I don't even know what your title was back then, Jeff, but he was just sort of out there working really, really hard to make our natural environment a better place to be and so try and save some species and teach some kids some things, I guess. And, um, and now he's the boss of everything there, so that's really good. Congratulations, Jeff.
2: Thank you. Welcome, Jeff. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So how was your bubble life? Yeah, I actually really
3: enjoyed it, um, going into it. Um, me and my wife. So we've got three young children who are uh, nine, seven, and um, our little girl, she turned five at the start of lockdown. So we were both a bit nervous going into it of what it was going to be like. Um, But I I actually really enjoyed it. And there's there's a few reasons why. It was, I guess, forced family time. And so there was no um, interruptions to that, no rushing around and and no travel with work. Um, and it just worked out really well. It was probably the busiest period of my working for DOC that I've had over the last 11 years, um, just because of all the, um, especially as we're changing levels um, and working out what that means for us in our work, um, but also at the same time uh, starting to realise the potential opportunities that might come
2: out the other side of the, the lockdown period. So with primary age kids, you've discovered what it's like to be a teacher?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, um, my wife hasn't been working um, through this time. She's been doing a bit of study. So she um, uh, guess, copped the, the lion's <laughs> share of um, being the home teacher um, and did a really good job. Um, but yeah, I certainly um, enjoyed being a small part of that as well. Um, but also the ability to, you know, have a couple of hours off in the middle of the day and do stuff with the kids, give her a break and, um, you know, do my work at um more strange hours um you know very early starts and the odd late finish to enable to, um to do that so yeah it was certainly um interesting it wasn't rosy all the time with the homeschooling there was i think week five or six where um yeah we didn't like each other for a day or two there
2: but apart from that it was a pretty good experience were you able to get them outside and do a bit of learning in the forest or something
3: yeah, um, well, later on we could get into the forest. But early on, um, I mean, we're quite blessed where we live. I live in Papamoa, which um near the beach. So we could get down and, and walk down the beach and stuff like that, even when we're in level four um, in full lockdown mode. But, yeah, during the during the days, yeah, I'd take a couple of hours off and we did a lot of bike riding around the streets, which a lot of families around here were doing. It was actually really cool to see um, people out there bonding as families, getting some good exercise. Um, and then as we progress down the levels and there's a little bit more freedom I guess um, then we we're able to get up in the bush behind um
2: uh, Puke here um, or Tani Wanuku and um, really nice sites like that So let's play the first of your music choices let's go for Stan Walker Okay Why'd you choose this one?
3: Uh, over the last year or so, I can't remember when he put it out, but I, I just really enjoy it. I've always enjoyed Stan's music. I remember when he was on, was it New Zealand Idol or whatever it was that he, where he became famous, me and my wife were watching him through that period and have followed him ever since. But the fact that the songs in Te Reo Māori is fantastic. And it, it's, you know, seeing that movement of a lot of um, songs that are played on mainstream radios and stuff like that, um, in Te Reo is just fantastic and a, a really good symbol of um, us moving forward as a, as a country.
4: No tawhiti, no tata No te te atua tātau A ya anōhia mai kue Ka whawhai tonu mātau kou No automaunga tūtonu Ko te moanapari mai kue Ko koe te aua I'm not going No, te only grow up. He's talking to Penu. Oh, they're all a hegemony. They're all a hegemony. They're all a hegemony. They're all a hegemony. They're all a hegemony.
5: No va te
4: I'm not going to know. When we home,
3: with Stan actually being from Tauranga Moana he he, whakapapa's here um, and so living down the road I guess from um, some of his marae uh, it's quite cool In, in fact one of them I drive past
2: every day on the way to work let's support local what were you busy doing during lockdown at work
3: uh, work was, uh, so I, I transitioned from a, another project that I was doing away from my normal role, um, back into my normal role of the, the district manager for the Rotorua and Tauranga district, which was quite weird coming back after seven months and into that sort of context. So what we were largely doing, um, was a lot of our normal work that we would do from the offices anyway, <clears throat> but it probably was the hardest for our field-based teams because they're normally out there um, in the bush on on the tools. Um, for for a few of our crews, that's primarily their their job, and they only come into the office to do um, you know administration tasks and stuff like that. So that was quite a struggle for them. But for for me and some of my senior staff, it was. Using the opportunity to play catch up on some of the work that um, gets put on the back burner, like for some of my team, like report writing and all that sort of thing. Um, But for me, it was more about um, managing the or looking after the teams working at home and sort of working through all the issues that come with that, with um, setting up home offices and um, and as we progress down the levels, um, what that means and what the rules. would mean for us as an organization and what we couldn't um, couldn't do um, out in the field um, especially in level three and level two uh, but our team was quite fortunate that because doc wasn't deemed an essential service which is that's fine um, but we supported some essential service Um probably the the key one that we supported during that lockdown period was um, Tiaroa Fano Order, so that the Fano Order cope up that happens um, uh, across the country. Uh, Tiaroa, so Rotorua, they were um, doing some really good work of um, boxing up, preparing um, uh, sanitisation packs and things like that to distribute out there. Um, the Fano, not just in um, the Tiaroa. Te Rohi, which is um, Rotorua out to Makutu, but also beyond that, all um, over a big chunk of the North Island. So that was really good, meaningful work that some of our staff could um, commit to, um, doing that, working alongside um, Te Iwi and others. Um, so, yeah, there's some really um, cool work that um, we could be a part of that isn't did, our normal work.
2: How did that come about? Was that a sort of a, a government-level... Anyone got some pre some spare capacity, or was it a more of a grassroots? You knew that that was happening and could offer some people.
3: More of a grassroots. So that um, that that project or that co was led from the Tierrua people. So the, the the tribes within and around around Rotorua. So they through um, our networks because we work with Iwi Māori all the time with the work that we do. So through um, those connections, they reached out to us. And um, if we could provide any um, staff to help, then yeah, we were certainly um, uh, willing and able to do that. The parks and reserves weren't actually closed, were they? No, they, they weren't physically closed. Um you know, some of our front country toilets and stuff like that, we closed them because we knew we weren't going to be servicing them during that lockdown period. But the back country itself wasn't closed. Um, but obviously, through the um, the government rules and stuff like that, um, people were advised not to go into the back country.
2: And did it has it managed to look after itself?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, our recreational sites well, they weren't getting used. So, um, in that regard. Um, yeah we we didn't have much to do um when we came back as in um we were behind uh and the biodiversity i guess the because some um, trapping work and that sort of stuff wasn't being done um yeah no doubt there was this um you know it's a window of opportunity i guess for the the pests but be- because it wasn't that long a period of time and it was earlier in the year if it happened around the sort of winter springtime where a lot of pest control operations happen it might have been a different story. Because you do a lot of that when it's at the at the, the lowest point don't you? Yeah and so um, winter going into spring where the food sources are very low um, and so it means that the, the, the rats and the states and that sort of thing are very hungry so they're more susceptible to taking bait because there's um, yeah not other food available for them.
6: Bubble Sprite of the Forest, of Orakonui, Nui, favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia koutou, namahi arohanui, Kia koutou I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes, and I really hope that wherever you are and whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving very rewarding, and nourishing, and illuminating, and inspiring and sustaining for you all and I hope that this time that we have been sharing together and I'm so grateful for this time through lockdown level 4, level 3, level 2 and now level 1 has really helped to elucidate for you the triumph of nature's art that you are connected to all life in an infinite web, the product of literally billions of years of co-evolution on this paradise planet and here making things better thank you thank you for physically manifesting at this time so it's been a really wonderful day for me and it's been a day that has really highlighted how lucky i am to live in such a beautiful and supportive community as aughty port east dunedin so i woke up very early this morning and i drove out to the dunedin airport and with lots of other wonderful brave people we pulled a plane down the runway. And we were all wearing special Dunedin t shirts and we were all showing our love and our appreciation for our paradise home, Aughty Porties Dunedin. And it was really exciting and really fun. And I never ever knew or thought that I would be pulling a plane down a runway with lots of other beautiful people to say, We're all pulling this together, we're all here supporting our community and making this work in a new way post COVID. So Here we are, we've done so well, I hope everyone's feeling really proud and I hope that wherever you are, you're really feeling that sense of a supportive, inspiring community around you. And of course this time over lockdown gave us the opportunity to really feel the love and support of the living world, the natural world, the real world around us as it came in more and more as the human world receded over lockdown and I've been really grateful for all the people who have approached me in my role at Oro-kunui Eco Sanctuary to want to connect more and learn more about the real world particularly our lovely native birds so we've been so lucky and Harvey Penfold and I of course have been so grateful for the support of our bird feeders Pika, Pika bird feeders for our native birds and we're now able it's very exciting we tested our first prototypes today to get our nozzles for our nectar feeding bottles made in Dunedin. So that now means that our nozzles, our platforms and our nectar nests are all made in Aote Portis, Dunedin. So this is just a huge triumph and a huge, huge, wonderful, wonderful accomplishment and privilege for us to have everything made here on our doorstep. And of course, what that means is not only can we have infinite supply in terms of caring for our native birds, but we can support our beautiful home even more, done And although Harvey Penfold is not from here, he's really loving living here, and it's really supported him to flourish, so we're so grateful. And although I was born here, lived here till I was seven, up a tree, or in the sea, and then moved to the UK, that move for me really showed me that Dunedin was my home and that it was the right place for me to be and I'm so grateful I was able to come back. So I really hope that for all of you, there are ways in which your community and your home really supports who you are and gives you opportunities to creatively shine and contribute and you feel that exchange of love and support in the community around you. And of course, if we are all able to find assets of our community that support the best aspects of ourselves to come forward and we're able to offer support back to our community to show our appreciation for this. Globally of course wonderful positive shifts can take place and on a smaller scale of course we know that our bodies themselves are a beautiful community of cells and when we nurture the environment for ourselves they excel, they do really well in terms of our health. So on every level, if we can find aspects of our environment that bring out the best in us and if we can in turn give back and support our environment, we make things better and better. So i look forward to talking to you tomorrow and thank you again for all the great work you're doing. Kakiti. Everyone around
2: the country is reporting a huge upswing in the number of birds in their gardens is that a thing that's getting noticed officially
3: um i mean i haven't heard it officially but i have heard the same anecdotal information um and i I guess that's probably due to a number of reasons but one you know there's been hard you know during especially during lockdown there's hardly any car movements and things like that so um I guess that all of a sudden the urban environment, um, the air quality becomes better and things like that, so it sort of makes sense that birds may tend to start to move around a little bit more. Um, and, and no doubt, uh, not that it would have taken effect that quickly, but potentially there might have been a, a bit more home-based pest control going on as well. You know, there is quite a big urban predator-free movement happening across the country over the last four or five years, so people may have had a bit more time to start killing their pests at
2: home as well. So with the restriction on travel overseas, you'll be expecting a, a boomer crop of New Zealand tourists over the next few months.
3: Yeah, it's really going to be quite interesting. I mean, already um, what I've seen myself and what I've heard from people around this area and around our our, our dock region, which goes down to Whanganui, um, the the movements, you know, people movements has changed quite a quite a quite a bit already. And even with international visitors not coming in, some of our hotspots are still staying at a reasonable level of use. You know, similar level, if not increased level of use, because of the d- domestic market. Because obviously New Zealanders can't travel abroad anymore, so they're getting out and about. Um, and you know, New Zealanders, um, you know, typically travel we're a little bit more adventurous. So, you know, some of our lesser-used sites, um, we're starting to notice um, um, more people going there. Um, And our our medium-used sites like the Otani Wainuku, which is at the back of Tipuki here, Um, that place is just busy all the time now, talking to the community group that do some trapping and um, kiwi protection and really good kaupapa out there. Um, they're, you know, experiencing um, very high visitor numbers. And I've seen that myself when I've taken the kids out there. So it's going to, you know, this may be a little bit of a hump and we'll have to just wait and see what it looks like going forward. But um, yes, it's certainly going to change the use of the conservation estate, I think, going forward. Lizelle Mitchell is a downtown dweller urban explorer and conversationalist observing city life
2: in lockdown.
0: Hello there bubble people, how's it going? Hope you're having an awesome day. I, uh, I certainly am and uh, hoping those sort of good feelings are going out across uh, Dunedin and beyond to you and uh, you continue to have a really great day. Yeah, as I often say, So, um, yeah, today I've been uh, sort of pondering over the idea of sort of acts of kindness and sort of little things that we do for people. And it's sort of funny because I think we often think we have to do something grand or over the top or big gestures or, or something with a huge impact sort of factor to make a difference in people's lives. And well, while there are things you can do that are probably big impact factors, um, a particular decision you might make or, you know, having the opportunity to maybe give some money or to uh, kind of aid an organisation in a particular way or maybe you're in a position to be able to um, volunteer your time so that you can make a real difference with your skill set to something. There's lots of ways we can make big, big sort of impacts, I guess, but most of the time, we are not really able to make the big impact, and it's more about how do we make the... How do we sort of do these little things that actually are like ripples that kind of move out across the pond of life and create a sense of, I guess, change, actually. And I think this is where we often maybe undervalue the little acts of kindness that you can do. For example, you know... um, I really had the best day ever when I was standing in a coffee line, cafe, waiting to get my coffee, got up to the counter and um, having sort of thought, oh gosh, you know, I wish this line would hurry up and, you know, uh, how much longer is it going to be and I really want my coffee. So being a little bit impatient and I got to the front of the queue and ordered my coffee and then the, the person behind the counter said to me, oh, you don't actually have to pay for that. And I said, oh, well, that's lovely, but why do I not have to pay for it? They said, oh, the person in front of you actually paid for your coffee. They said, um, we're going to pay for the next person's coffee, so just pay it forward so that that person can have a wonderful surprise when they get up to the counter. And the, the feeling when you get up to the counter and you've been impatiently sort of going, come on, hurry up, how long does it take to order a coffee, for goodness sake? you know, in your head, and only to discover that the person in front of you was actually incredibly generous and has just bought you a coffee. Now, that kind of thing is maybe not affordable for everybody, you know. It's not necessarily something everyone can do and maybe not do on a regular basis, but to maybe put $5 into the hands of, you know, the cafe and say, please pay that forward for the next person who comes through your cafe and orders a coffee, that coffee's paid for. What an amazing thing to do for, for someone, a stranger, someone you don't know at all, and maybe someone like me who was a bit impatient and you know starting to get annoyed with the world and feeling a little bit you know grumpy about things. I got up to the counter, and all of that got kind of changed for me, and and I had to review some of the thinking I'd been doing, especially the ungrateful thinking and the impatient thinking. Um, that. Small things like that can just make someone's day, change somebody's day, because I know I've had experiences like that one where, yeah, things haven't been great and one little act of kindness from someone, especially a stranger that you don't know, that's actually bothered to kind of care about someone else um, beyond their little circle of friends and family and loved ones, it's it's a real game changer and it can actually make you feel like doing something for someone else that you don't know. So that kind of ripples in the pond idea is a beautiful way of making a real difference in the world. So what about trying a little act of kindness? I'm going to do that this week. I want to do something that might be able to help someone else in in a strange little way, maybe for a stranger and see what we might be able to come up with. So That's my challenge for you this week. Get out there, see if you can do a little act of kindness and change someone's world. Okay, I'll leave you with that. Have a great day. Take care, we'll talk soon.
2: So have you seen some community initiatives during the the lockdown? Um, Community
3: initiatives. Nothing new that I can think of, um, but it's probably more just the it highlighted the, the willingness and the um, the passion that our existing community conservation groups, which we have a lot of them here in the the Western Bay of Plenty, well, the whole Bay of Plenty, actually, um, you know, they were just so eager to get out there, especially in that lockdown period, because I guess for many, you know, they they weren't working as much and they had time on their hand and they were just so keen to get out there and do, um, uh, you know, th- their volunteer work, um, you know, um trapping killing pests to look after the the tonga species in, in the forests here so um yeah, to me it just showed the uh, it uh, highlighted i mean we always we always knew that those community conservation groups and others um other groups of volunteers are, are passionate about the work they do, but it um yeah, just their eagerness i guess um and then as we transitioned down the levels um yeah they were out there um as soon as they were they' given the go ahead um in doing that really important work and the work that they all love to do so th- th- that was really um uh, really nice to see i, I guess um uh, not surprising in hindsight but at the time it was just yeah it was really good to see
2: is that an important part of the of your role is is building those community initiatives building those those community connections
3: yeah absolutely and, and supporting them um yeah, because there's around here there's some groups that have been you know established for a couple of decades now, um, and then there's some new groups that have been starting up over the last through um, through to five years. Um, but then also working with um, with our treaty partner with uh, iwi and hapu um, and supporting them and their you know desires and um, um, to play their role as, as kaitiaki, and so one awesome thing that's come out of um, the silver lining that's come out of this covert situation is the you know the unprecedented unprecedented amount of um, financial um contribution from the government into um, the environment into um, tito through the um the covert recovery package so with 1. 1, 1.1 well, or was 1.1 1. 1, it's 1. 1.3 billion of um, investment over four years into nature-based employment so that's just fantastic especially because jobs are at the forefront and having iwi and hapu at the centre of of whatever that work is it's given us the i guess the catalyst that here anyway in the north island that we've been waiting for for a long time that ability to um resource iwi maori iwi and hapu to um to get out there and and um be able to i guess um uh actively um play their role as kaitiaki or their their boof riders so that's um for me that's probably been the highlight out of this whole last couple of months is just that um that silver lining that massive amount of resource that's landed um and yeah the fantastic leadership that i guess our government um has has shown in that space um you know using environmental based projects as a place to um Uh, create jobs um, and enable iwi and hapu to um, be able to um,
2: the resource to protect their um, you know their forests. One of the things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks is the the opportunity that it's given us to to show and understand the connection between systems so this is a an environmental problem as in the virus and our response has been very much on the 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 people, the health of the people, and how connected that is to the economy. So it's interesting to see that what you're talking about there is that that connection is continuing in a slightly different way in the recovery. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And then you know that ability to now connect a lot more people through employment to um, to the Nahiri, to the forests, into the Fenua is going to be a re- really powerful tool for for a mind shift to move us forward as a country I think and place more um, uh, emphasis or importance on the natural environment To not only to the natural environment itself but to the to our own physical health our own spiritual health and then certainly our um, cultural health as well so it's a such a a powerful and i struggle to articulate it very well sometimes but it's such a powerful moment in time and such a powerful catalyst to move us forward as a country and i hope that is happening or does happen in other, other parts of the world as well i think we're pretty blessed with um with where we are um in in our in our little bubble in aotearoa um due to a number of reasons, one us being in Ireland and, and two the leadership that our government showed to um, be a, be so we're in this position of being um, you know largely Covid free, I know there's cases coming in as people return to the country but it's just yeah I I guess not just proud to be a New Zealander at the moment but also um,
2: feel very extremely lucky of where we live in, in this time. I started then by talking about a recovery and, and there's some discussion about whether or not we should be looking at it as a recovery or a, a regeneration as we move to a a new normal. And it sounds like you're seeing that it is a something different. If we are moving m- much more to that r- realization of those connections and the nature-based employment and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly think
3: it is. Um, yeah. And, in- and I'd hate for us to um, squander this opportunity as well. We really have to make the most of it as, as a country um, because, you know, well, one would like to think we're probably not going to get an opportunity or a, um, um, such a severe pandemic
2: like this that we've created into an opportunity in our lifetimes. You're talking about how we've responded and how the government's helped us respond and so on from all of those responses both at the government level and the community level what do you think we can learn from how we've responded to this pandemic for those longer term perhaps bigger challenges that we face the intergenerational ones climate change social justice biodiversity loss can can we take stuff from how we've worked
3: yeah it's a good question um I mean, my short answer would be yes, um, and I'd probably need to give that a bit more thought to um, think what those um, learnings would be and how we'd take them forward. Um, but it's it's amazing, and and looking back now, like it's it seems you know almost seem a bit silly that we couldn't realise how we could work. Like sorry, so I'll, I'll just segue into um, working remotely. Like as in an organisation like Doc, we you know we've had quite a high reliance on. Um, Uh, face to face in the way that we work even though we're spread across the country Um, and it's taken something like COVID to really and it's not just you know there's probably many organisations and businesses in the same um, position but it's taken this lockdown period where we couldn't travel and we had to rely or um, learn to use technology to connect and It's actually, you know, how well it worked, I think, surprised a lot of people, especially like in in my team, a lot of people that aren't that tech savvy and things like that and probably have shied away from it. Um, We've actually realised that we can work like this a lot better. And so using our regional management team, for example, that are based from Whanganui up to here with our centre in Taupo, um, we used to connect um two-day meeting together um once a month or once every six weeks but we've realized that you know the better way for us to connect now is more frequently but via technology and just having the you know meeting quarterly or something face to face because it's still important to have that social interaction with our work but um we, we've learned how to use the technology to um one make us work more effective in general um but to you know save a lot of um travel etc the expense of that but also the the carbon footprint that that reduces at the same time so no that didn't really answer your question but i'm certainly seeing those learnings of changing the way how we work going forward
2: i think it's going to make it an interesting challenge for people in the the government or people who work for the government um, over the next few years on the grounds that people are going to point back to 2020 and say look see we can change things we can make this difference. We can actually achieve stuff when we set our minds to it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Let's take th- another of your music choices. This time let's have Blondie, Maria. Why this? <laughs> um,
3: I, I've i always liked that song. I think um, my parents um, and their friends used to get cranked a little bit when I was growing up. <laughs> um and it was just recently I uh, heard it on the radio We switched from our normal radio That we listened to another one And I was like, man, oh this song And so I've had it on my, my playlist To and from work recently And as soon as it starts playing you just you, The foot just starts tapping for some reason So it's a good song <laughs> It stood the test of time
5: Don't you wanna take a home?
2: you into this sort of work didn't I see that you've got a marketing degree yeah yeah um,
3: so when I was down in Otago I um, did a commerce degree in marketing and management and then I wasn't ready to leave um, so looked around for what could tie me over for another year um, down there and did a diploma in tourism after that so um, once I'd done four years four years after four years I, I was ready so moved back to um, Whanganui where I grew up, um, and ended up working in the uh, uh, regional tourism organisation, like um, tourism Whanganui for um, um, yeah the, that sort of um, that sort of work, so in tourism marketing and things like that. So worked there for about three years, and then during that time I met my now wife, and we wanted to move up to Papa in the Bay of Plenty, um, and so was looking for work and. Um, my dad's ex-PA um, had moved up to Tauranga, so she was keeping an eye out and she'd sent out down a newspaper clipping and I'd looked at the title on it. and It was it was called Program Manager Visitor Assets and Historic. And I was like, oh, that's a mouthful. I wouldn't even know what that is. So I actually chucked it in the bin at work and the next day the bin didn't get um, emptied for whatever reason and I sat down at my desk and I saw it and I thought, oh, I'll apply for it. So luckily at that time is when Doc, we're trying to connect better with the tourism industry. So from just providing for, you know, just trampers in the backcountry users through to um, better connecting ourselves as an organisation with the tourism industry. So that's how um, I guess I I got the um, job once I applied for it and did the interview. So, yeah, that's how I started with Doc. Um, So that was at the um, end of 2008. So I started the start of 2009. So, um, been with them eleven and a half years um and always been based in the Tauranga office, but um two thousand and twelve um, included the Rotorua End as well. And did a you know, a few jobs um on on the way through that time and since yeah, two thousand sixteen been the district manager across that area and yeah, I just I just really love it. Um, you know, I it initially was a, you know, I'll be honest it was a job to get us up to the Bay of Plenty. Um, I didn't think I'd be doing the um, with Doc for too long, but yeah, once you you get into it, you really enjoy it, and um, and I've really enjoyed especially over the last four or five years um, just the way that we've worked as a district to try and uh, better ourselves and how we work with our treaty partner, um, um, being iwi Māori. So and and that's the part of the job that I love the most. You know that. Um, ability to um to help or aid our tangata whenua to um yeah um uh well be be the role as mana whenua of these lands so um yeah that's the part of the job and that's what keeps me in the job to be honest is the is the connection um with with our iwi and our hapu around here um, and also, you know, my learning journey um, through this period of time of um, te ao Māori or the Māori worldview, um, which I'm, I'm, I'm um, not um, Māori myself, but um, just so fascinated is not the right word, um, intrigued by um, Māori culture and just the, you know, the connection I feel to it, even though I'm not Māori, is, um, is just really powerful. And yeah, that's what I love about um, working for um, Te Pa or DOC, um is the work that we're doing in getting better with that as we go um yeah we make mistakes um but we um, try and learn from them and as a as a team trying to drive um us from you know doing leading the work to supporting um the work and supporting our iwi and our hapu and others um to do um the 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 work you know conservation work um aligned to um, all their other aspirations
2: is it a good news story are we are we heading in the right direction
3: yeah, I, I think we certainly are, um, and the COVID recovery um, money um, and the nature-based jobs um, funding is, is certainly given us this leg up or the catalyst that we've been, you know, we the collective we, um, Doc and um, uh, um, our Iwi and Hapu Partners have been waiting um, for quite some time. Um, so yeah,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm certain we're heading in the right direction now. I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Um, biggest success will be, well, I, I
3: can't say too much, but hopefully over the next month we'll hear some announcements of some significant investment into this area, um, into the Kama Mamaku um, and the way that those monies will be targeted is what my biggest success over this last 10 years.
2: So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you're in our mansion. Oh, yeah. What's the superpower that got you there?
3: Oh, yeah, it's tricky one. I'm not a big one of blow mode, but probably listening. Um, I think you know we were gifted two ears, one mouth for a reason. Um, and yeah, it's amazing what you can do when when you listen and not just waiting to speak.
2: Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, was that a link question? <laughs> but, um, no. <laughs> do you have to? Do you have to be a bit of an activist though in your job? You you must have a. Is, it, is it, there's a vision of, of where you're going and a and a drive to achieve it?
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I've used um, um, more associated the term activists with um, I guess more extreme measures, but um, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, we have had a vision um, of where we want to go as, as a district and as an organisation, but you know, I can only drive it from the district level, um, and. And and sometimes you need to deal with um um a bit of negativity and whatever um
2: as that change is happening. So yeah, I, I guess so. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, doing all that I can to support
3: um the the iwi and the hapu of the the area that I'm lucky to um look after our public conservation lands and waters supporting them um, to um, achieve their aspirations is is as he um, and happy
2: what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next couple of years um, over the next
3: four years is implementing the the significant opportunities
2: that are going to be um, coming from budget 2020 do you have a priority list of the things that or are you focusing on the things that you've never managed to do? How are you identifying where to put that effort?
3: Uh focusing on the stuff that the collectively, so not just Doc, but our, our iwi Happy partners and and the wider community stakeholders have been um have been wanting to do in the restoring the modi of the um, the Nahiti of the forests um, here at the Tauranga end in the, the Kauma Mamaku um, but I mean the whole way across the Bay of Plenty there's some fantastic opportunities and, and not all of them or hopefully not many of them will be DOC led but uh, DOC supporting um, the, the the different people involved in those um, so they're not things that we have to sit and dream up all of a sudden it's for some of the work it's been um, uh, a journey for some projects, you know, 10 plus years um, of spending that time of getting all the different stakeholders and partners together, um, shared values, shared direction, and now we've got this
2: um, fantastic opportunity to to implement that. Looking forward to seeing all of that. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
3: Um, probably don't waste the 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 learnings that we that you all um uh experienced during the lockdown period um yeah I, I i certainly wouldn't want to see us reverting back to the way um that society was working in totality yeah, there's some bits that um are good but we need to take the the really positive learnings of how we can change whether that be how you um, in your workplace whether that be how you connect as um with your family your whanau, your friends um not um yet yeah, taking the the really good things that you did um during that period and in replicating that going forward um so for me that was um one key thing is the you know the connection and the time I spend with my kids and my wife um during the working week if possible so using flexible work arrangements to do that um because yeah um you know when it comes to people you you know in a blink of an eye, we age, and then we um depart this world, so you know you have to enjoy the your loved ones around you and The other thing is, I think we saw really big improvement of um people's kindness towards one another um during that lockdown period and the uh, subsequent levels. So, yeah, just let's be kind to each other. We're all people. We're all different. We've all got our, our quirks and our interesting things, but just um, let's continue to be kind to each other. Like, I think we saw an improvement during that period. Thank you.
2: Maura.
1: Um, I just wanted to say, uh, Jeff, it's been a real pleasure to watch you work over the years, and thanks for all the work that you do and for the difference that you make, and I stand in awe of your work that you've done with Tangata Whenua and I think that you're an amazing leader in that space and thanks for that work especially because we we need more of that, we need to see more of that engagement between government and community and Tangata Whenua to really make a difference, I think, going forward. And um, so well done to you and your team for what is at times an incredibly thankless task with not much money to do stuff with. Mm. You do great work.
3: No, thank you, and it's been fantastic working with you again, my um, weta. Um, so yeah, I'm pleased that we get to work together going forward. So, same.
2: Let's play out to Waymaker. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell. You Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani, and we've been joined by Jeff Milham from Papamoa in Tauranga We hope you enjoyed the show
0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from
1: New Zealand On the Air